did an attempt at a world record cause a minor disaster in Cleveland, Ohio? The internet says this one's true. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds like it's made up, but it's really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and guess what? This is a new episode. I finally uh, am back on to new episodes. Thank you so much for bearing with me as we did a couple weeks of uh, repeats. This is episode 137. Uh, A lot of exciting things have happened with the podcast so far this year. We hit 100,000 downloads. At one point, we dipped into the top 100 on the Apple Podcasts history category. And uh, we've been doing some Zoom meetups on Patreon. Uh, So... If you're on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I call that my tizitors. T-I-S-I-T is the internet says it's... Never mind. Uh, Yeah, you can join for as little as a dollar a month. And then you get to do the meetups. We just did one a couple weeks ago. It was a lot of fun. The next one uh, I'll be posting very soon on the Patreon. So you can do that at any level membership. And um, I'm really excited about this story. This is one that happened here in Ohio when I was a little kid. And I don't remember hearing about it back then. But every once in a while, I see something about this absolute debacle. So let's go all the way back to 1986. Treb Heining has made balloons his life's work. He got his start selling Mickey Mouse balloons at Disneyland, and he helped with the grand opening where Disneyland released 50,000 balloons into the air. He was just a young boy at the time, but this was the start to a life of making balloons into words shapes, columns, and art. His claim to fame is the invention of the balloon column, a structure of connected balloons that's often used to create large shapes, arches, and words out of strings of balloons. So if you've ever been at an event, whether it be a corporate gala or a high school prom, and taken your picture or walked through an arch of balloons, Treb Heining is the guy who invented that. He invented it for a private birthday party for Cher's son. Yes, that Cher. Her son, Elijah Blue, was turning three, and Treb created a blue column of balloons, bending over into an arch above Cher's tennis courts behind her home in Malibu. Treb Heining is the hero of our story today, but also maybe the villain? He had really made a name for himself doing not only these large balloon sculptures, but also balloon releases like the one he orchestrated for the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles. If you wanted to release thousands of balloons into the air for an event, he was the guy to call. So, when the United Way wanted to use balloons for a fundraiser in 1986, Treb and his company Balloon Art by Treb got the call. The United Way of Cleveland wanted to raise money using some sort of large-scale spectacle, and the venue was the Cleveland Balloon Fest in the downtown public square. They had hired Tom Holowatch as the event manager, and the whole goal was to make Cleveland cool again. It had gotten a bad rap from a series of unfortunate environmental incidents in which the Cuyahoga River was so polluted it actually caught fire multiple times, the most notable in 1969. So they were trying to use this massive balloon launch as a way to change Cleveland's national identity. Treb flew in from Los Angeles to meet with the United Way of Cleveland and Holowatch, and they told him how they had this vision of releasing two million balloons into the air. The story is a little hazy as to whether they had the goal of a world record, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Treb was hired and paid a huge sum of money by the United Way and their sponsors to organize the launch. It was scheduled to take place in September of that year. 
he spent the next six months planning and preparing. Now imagine a city block being taken up just to prepare balloons. 2,500 volunteers filled balloons with helium. They were area high school students and local volunteers working around the clock, and when they'd blow up a balloon, they'd let it go. It would float up into this giant mesh cage that Treb had built. This cage took up the southwest quarter of the public square. It was three stories high, and essentially a 250 feet by 150 feet rectangle of netting to hold all of these balloons. The United Way had run a fundraiser where local children would go out and collect a dollar from Cleveland residents for every two balloons released. When the date of September 27th arrived, the mesh cage was filled with 1.4 million balloons. They didn't quite make it to two million, but nearly a million and a half balloons filled the mesh and weather conditions forced the release to be pushed up a bit. All of the local Cleveland news stations were there to cover. A rainstorm was approaching, and the decision had been made to move the balloon launch up to 1.50 p.m. So when the time came, a huge crowd counted down, and the balloons were released. And that is where the chaos began. We'll talk about that after a quick break. The Internet Says It's True is happy to be sponsored by The Power of the Streak. This is an easy-to-read book by author Kara Wood with the best idea yet for consistent exercise and staying motivated over time. That part I read. This part I'm telling you from the heart. I struggle with working out regularly. You know, I'll go back, I'll start exercising, and then I'll stop after a couple of weeks. Or I'll go a week and a half, and then I'll stop. And I learned that I'm not the only one who this happens to. So Kara has a similar story. Kara was, you know, basically without motivation for years. And she was able to find that formula that got her to flip the switch, and she hasn't looked back. She actually has been able to stick with it through uh, the methods that she teaches in her book. So she tells her story of starting and keeping a running streak for 12 busy years while having a demanding career, two kids. I mean, she has the the secret to, to exercise no matter what. Her story is funny, it's relatable and inspiring, and she explains to you how you can do the same thing with any exercise. And it doesn't have to be running, which is hard on your knees and hurts your feet. And this isn't just the internet saying it's true. Even a cynic will leave feeling motivated, inspired, and excited to commit once and for all to long-lasting exercise and fitness. The book is called The Power of the Streak by Kara Wood, and it's available in all formats where books are sold. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you can also get the audiobook on iTunes and Audible. So make sure, you know, you, you learn all about this. Go pick up the book. You can also follow The Power of the Streak on Instagram. It's just at The Power of the Streak and Twitter, Power of Streak. I think that you will enjoy it. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. 
For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. The balloons at first drifted south, but then the wind changed and they moved back across the downtown area and started descending onto Burke Lakefront Airport and filled the Cleveland Harbor. The crew of a Coast Guard helicopter said they felt like they were flying through an asteroid field as the balloons rained down. The balloons were released into the air. 100,000 people had gathered in the downtown Cleveland area to watch the spectacle before the incoming storm. The balloons lifted into the air, staying in a sort of clump, this nebulous, colorful cloud that immediately wrapped itself around the iconic terminal tower. But where these balloons would normally continue lifting and dispersing, they collided with some unusual weather conditions. A front of cold air and rain changed the way the helium balloons behaved, and instead of floating away, they quickly sank back down and floated around downtown Cleveland. Nearly a million and a half balloons were now falling back down to Earth. And let's talk about what's in downtown Cleveland. There's the Burke Lakefront Airport, a municipal airport right there on the shoreline. The balloons fell onto the tarmacs and runway, causing the airport to completely shut down for half an hour while employees tried to clear the balloons from the area. Nearby, the Memorial Shoreway Road was filled with balloons. Some traffic stopped to watch. Others had their vision completely obscured, sending cars off the road, crashing into fences. There were so many balloons, the city had to get bulldozers to clear the roads. Downtown roads and highways became completely standstill congested because of falling balloons. Troopers reported multiple collisions. Some of the balloons did make it away from Cleveland. A farmer in Medina County, Ohio, sued the United Way of Cleveland because they landed in a pasture, spooking and permanently injuring some horses. Lake Erie was littered with the balloons for weeks. They washed up on the shore of Cleveland, even floated all the way to Ontario, where people reported picking up thousands of balloon scraps on the shore. The damage caused to the ecosystem of Lake Erie was difficult to calculate, but it's safe to say 1.4 million pieces of non-biogradable latex is pretty bad for the environment. But perhaps the worst of all was what was happening on Lake Erie at that time. Hundreds of thousands of balloons landed in the lake and were bobbing up and down on the surface of the water. At that same time, Raymond Broderick and Bernard Solzer were missing. They had taken their 16-foot fishing boat out on the lake the day before and had never returned. Their families were panicking and reported them missing. When the Coast Guard started searching Lake Erie, they quickly found the boat. Broderick and Solzer were nowhere to be seen. And as they scanned across the water for the men, 
it was useless. All they saw anywhere were colorful balloons bobbing up and down on the water, and after three days of searching, the search was called off. Sadly, the men's bodies washed ashore sometime later, and one of their widows ended up suing the United Way of Cleveland and balloon art by Treb for $3.2 million. They settled for an undisclosed amount, as did Louise Nowakowski, the owner of the horses in Medina. This was meant to be a fundraiser, and it turned out to be anything but. Besides the many accidents and tragic loss of life, the cost of the event itself overshot the budget by a lot. So there wasn't going to be any money made to begin with, but then the various lawsuits just made it worse. Treb Heining is still regarded as one of the world's groundbreaking balloon artists, and the Cleveland balloon launch did make it into the Guinness Book of World Records, whether they were trying to or not. The 1988 version of the book calls it, quote, the largest ever mass balloon release, end quote, with 1,429,643 balloons launched. But Guinness also changed their criteria for events like this because of how poorly it went. Guinness no longer measures environmentally unsound events like balloon releases. So whenever you see an event where balloons are launched into the air, you have an interesting story to tell about the most disastrous balloon launch in history. The internet says it's true. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend. So thanks again for tuning in, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, NPR, or, you know, your grandparents' gramophone. Today, I'm calling Rob Bauchunas. Rob is a friend of mine who's a professional balloon artist. He doesn't do balloon releases, I don't think, but he does balloon sculpting and all sorts of amazing creations made out of uh, air and latex. What's going on, Rob? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Did I get Thanks that right? Uh, did, is, did all yeah. that sound right? Accurate? You don't do balloon releases? Uh, I do not. Uh, most balloon professionals uh, frown upon that yeah. nowadays. I wonder why. We, we've just heard uh, you know, a pretty good story as to, as to why we shouldn't do that, but... Uh, you know, uh, you do now. You do not only. I don't know the terminology with balloons. I'm not very like up on my balloon stuff. Like, what's when when someone does balloon animals? Is that balloon sculpting? Um, we haven't really decided on an industry term. Okay. Um, <laughs> I call myself a balloon artist, uh, and I pretty much work in every single facet of balloons. I'll okay. twist individual sculptures for people, uh, like dogs. Um, yes. I'll. Uh, make like large decorations either that look like things or just like big bubbly type things and then i also perform on stage using balloons oh you do so mm -hmm. when you do say like you know if you're performing for 30 minutes on stage using balloons what does that mm -hmm. look like because i can't imagine an audience sits there and just watches you twist balloons into shapes for 30 minutes are what, what um, other types yeah. of things are we seeing uh, it's pretty much uh, comedy and magic that all involves balloons. Uh, at the end, I tie myself to a folding chair and nice. attempt to escape. Uh, a feat that Harry Houdini never performed, uh, a world-class escape artist. Uh, some would say that that's kind of, this kind of balloon was not invented until 17 years after his death. Okay, uh, well that... I like to use the word coward. Coward. <laughs> 
I mean, you, couldn't you just just have like a have, swallow a razor or have a razor blade in your mouth and just drop it down your front and it would pop all the balloons and then you just stand up? Uh, that that would, that would be easy, but I use no sort of razor blades, lock picks, keys, anything like that to help me escape. That's interesting. I mean, it's a daring feat uh, getting through several layers of uh, thin latex and air. Is it latex? Are balloons latex? Because I saw many times when I was researching this story. They were referred to as mm-hmm. plastic, as non-biogradable plastic. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of uh, new material that just came out recently from my primary balloon that I use, Qualitex. And balloons are made of biodegradable latex. Um, Qualitex doesn't have any plastic in it. Um, that's a common misconception that some different groups will want to portray that balloons are a single use plastic that needs to be banned, Mm -hmm. but um, they're biodegradable and there's still studies going on based on how long that takes exactly and things like that. But there's no plastic in them. Interesting. At least latex balloons. Well, that's all good to know. Um, And for this first question, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get the question wrong, you have to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you one here. Is your question, Rob? You're a balloon guy. In 1986, the city of Cleveland launched a world record 1.4 million balloons into the air. This is multiple choice. Why is it remembered as a giant disaster? A, the balloons fell because of the atmospheric conditions and caused chaos with the local traffic. B, after the balloons fell into Lake Erie, two missing fishermen were impossible to find. C, it was horrible for the environment as these balloons were not biodegradable. Or D, all of the above. So yeah, uh, uh, D. D, all of the above, final answer? That. Yep. That is correct. All of the above. Uh, you got that one right. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a famous story and I, am, I imagine it within balloon circles, everyone knows this story, yeah? Uh, some people do. Mostly if you're been a decorator around that time period you know um because balloon releases used to be a big thing they did them at disneyland a lot and like they were really magical and beautiful but nowadays we know like hey it's just dropping a bunch of litter that's eventually going to come down on the ground um but this one didn't even really get to that point because (laughs) uh as i recall it was really rainy that day yeah and so the rain droplets weigh the balloons down and that kind of created this film of balloons. And yeah, one of the big things was it impacted the search for two missing uh, divers, fishermen. The fishermen, yeah, yeah. They ended up yeah. dying. Uh, they had gone missing the day before and the search was useless because imagine a million balloons just bobbing in Lake Erie. Uh, I do have a joke for you. What's a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? What is it? None. Historians believe that most pirates were most likely illiterate. Um an anti-joke for I love you. it. There, there you go. That's uh, one of those. All right, let's move on to question two, Rob. For this next question, we're playing for a vague okay. book Facebook post. So uh, this is the first time I've done this. If you get it wrong, you've got to say something on your personal Facebook along the lines of, you know, something big coming, can't talk about it yet, or I can't say anything, but I would appreciate some good thoughts. Like one of those, just to make your friends hate you. <clears throat> and I'll do it if... <laughs> if uh, I'll do it if you get it right. Which one of these, which one of these three things is a real Guinness world record? Two, I made up. One of them is real. A, 
the most pairs of sneakers worn at the same time. B. The heaviest weight lifted by a human beard. Or C. The world's heaviest pair of eyeglasses. Hmm. Well, I have uh, two really bearded gentlemen in my household, so I'm going to go with B. B, the heaviest weight lifted by a human beard. You are correct. That is the answer. Antonis Kontramas of Lithuania set the record for the heaviest weight lifted by a human beard. This was 2013, 10 years ago. Antonis lifted a 140-pound TV host with his beard. Uh, so, and that was the that was the record. Unbelievable. Wow. The other two I'm a quarter Lithuanian, so maybe I should uh you start could, growing a beard and see. Yeah, absolutely. You could lift a 35-pound TV host with your beard. I did the math just real quick in my head, and I'm damn proud of what I just did. I, I just divided <laughs> 140 by four. Um, and if I did the math wrong, don't at me. I don't care. Uh, the other two I made up, world's heaviest pair of eyeglasses, I figured was a thing because my wife had just gotten a large pair of eyeglasses in the mail. And then the other one, I don't know how that would logistically work. The most pairs of sneakers worn at the same time doesn't even sound like that would be. I don't know how that you'd have to have like really thin sneakers and then thicker and thicker like T-shirts. I don't know. Uh, okay, moving on. Um, oh, and so you got that right, which means I have to vague book. So I'm going to say something along the lines of something big coming. Can't talk about it yet. Or I can't say anything, but I would appreciate some good thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to hate that for myself. Uh, okay, question three. For this question, Rob, we're playing for a sticker. Uh, this is a uh, the Internet says it's true sticker. Which, uh, you know, if you don't have one, you're going to get, you know, whatever. You're going to get one. And if Excellent. you do have Mine one, is very outdated. Oh, you have a tell me what to Google sticker. <laughs> That's a, you need to. I get, do. You need to get updated. I, I found the, I have a stack of those. Tell me what to Google stickers somewhere. But these, uh, you need, you need the, um, the other. Oh, and, and, and a what the shit is this sticker. You know, the thing about what the shit is this is that was a reference to joke story trick. And then someone told me after. I named it and printed stickers that um, someone on TV. Uh, 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 was that Daniel Tosh? Daniel Tosh. Tosh.0 did a What the Shit Is This segment, which I had no idea. Or maybe it was just called What the Shit. I don't know. In any case, it was too similar. Uh, okay, so we're going to play for a sticker. Here you go. This one's about Cleveland, Ohio. Which one of these three products was invented in Cleveland, Ohio? Was it A, Chef Boyardee canned products? B, Hidden Valley Ranch Dressing, or C, the Ice Cream Sundae? I would say this is a harder one. I yeah, think people let in me Cleveland text Eric Tate. Even, yeah. <laughs> well, Eric's down here in Columbus, but I don't oh. know if he would know. Uh, I don't know where he's originally from. I think he used to live down in Tennessee at one point. So, yeah, Chef Boyardee, Hidden Valley Ranch, or Ice Cream Sundae? I'm going to go with Chef Boyardee. You got it right. You're three for three. Chef Boyardee. Etoire Boyardee founded Chef Boyardee in 1928, uh, and he became popular with Americans during, uh, the, during the wars. The Second World War, they would ship those canned products to, to troops. So that's kind of where Chef Boyardee really found their, their, uh, their whatever, their stride. Um, Hidden Valley Ranch from Santa Barbara, California, and the Ice Cream Sunday from Two Rivers, Wisconsin, in case you're curious about those. You're killing it so far. 
Uh, I feel like we need to slow down a little bit. Tell me a little bit about what you have coming up. Any any fun balloon shows coming up? I'd- I'm working on uh, getting some new footage to submit to a lot of the magic uh, places around the country. Nice. Yeah, you yeah. Know, those magic theaters are are so fun. Uh, I love doing them. I'm I performed at the Chicago Magic Lounge uh, last year, and I'm going back next month or in uh, June. I'll be back, um, which which is a, a lot of fun. That's a, one of those cool cool gigs. So when you do that, what are you going to film? Like twenty minutes or thirty minutes, or do you know? Yeah, um, like I know the castle looks for eighteen minutes. Um, I think like House of Cards is about twenty to twenty five. So they're kind of roughly in that range. Yeah. Um, I uh, I tried filming some footage uh, that didn't go well because one of my props that I use uh, has been discontinued. Oh, no. Uh, so I've been trying to find a new one. It's a specialty balloon that's a large balloon with a happy face on it. Oh, man. And it's for the, the Neil through balloon routine. But the thing is, it's also opaque. So I'm kind of going in blind to try to find the other end. Oh, so it's a little bit tricky. I'm I'm having a, a, an issue with finding a prop right now, too. Um, And the prop that I'm looking for, I don't want to get into too much because it's sort of, you know, magic secrets. But the company that made it has gone out of business and um, she was a very famous prop maker in Hollywood. And um, I just I can't find anyone. I I've emailed probably 20 people last week that that do a similar type of thing and no one has. No one can make what I need, and it's becoming very frustrating. So, if you work in the in the in the realm of silicone and silicone molds, um, please give me an email. I would love to talk to you. Um, that's as much as I'll say about that. Question for Rob: For this question, we're playing for a book, a literal book. So, if you get it right, okay. I'm going to send you a book from my personal library. I'm going to find something and I'm going to mail it to you, and then um, maybe next week. When I do the next show, I'll tell everyone what I decided to send you because uh, I don't know yet. Uh, if you get it wrong, you've got to send me a book of your choice. So just, you know, if you have a random book, maybe maybe it might be one of these. It might be the best of the good, clean jokes by Bob Phillips. Let's look at one of these jokes in here. Uh, here's a joke for you. Golf is a lot of walking broken up by disappointment and bad arithmetic. Let's see. That's worth exactly what... I paid for this book, which was, I think, 50 cents at a garage sale. In March of 2022, the city of Cleveland put into place which one of these balloon laws? So the city of Cleveland, this is municipal law in Cleveland. A, they can only be purchased by those 18 and older. B, they can't be blown up using helium. Or C, nobody can release more than 10 into the sky at a time. This is oh, another man. hard question, I think. It is because B and C are kind of similar in that they're happening now. I want to go with a lot of what's happening with B is happening in California and coastal places. So I think C, the number of balloons, I'm going to go with that one. Okay, interesting. The answer is C, nobody can release more than 10 balloons into the sky at a time. Yeah, I thought I'd throw you off with the helium thing because we know that there's a helium shortage. Balloons necessarily aren't causing it. Party balloons aren't causing it. It's, you know, MRI machines, <laughs> which use the most yeah. helium, but uh, and which I thought was really interesting. I don't know why they need helium in the MRI machine. Maybe it makes the thing spin faster in a 
because yeah, it's a... I think it has to do with cooling it. Um, oh. because like liquid helium is a really cold substance. Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, helium that's used to fill balloons is not medical grade. I didn't so realize there two, were different like, helium grades. Don't take away from each other. Interesting. Yep. There Interesting. Are. So if you were to inhale medical grade helium, I'm curious what would happen with your voice. I wonder um, if it would be more pure. You like might die. You, yeah, it would just, just straight kill you. This is uh, unrelated, yeah. but I had a dude, uh, a, a professor in college. I just called him a dude very unrespectfully. Um, <laughs> it was a, uh, it was an astronomy class. It was like a graduate level astronomy class that I shouldn't have been in. It was way above my abilities. And he told a story about liquid nitrogen, um, you know, dry ice. And that's the same thing, right? Liquid nitrogen, dry ice, I think maybe. Uh, dry. He was I'm not sure. Well, he was talking about dry ice, basically. And he said, uh-huh. and he did this in his class. He had some and he put it in his mouth and blew smoke. And we're like, that is incredibly dangerous. And he's like, well, it's not dangerous if you keep moving it around in your mouth all the time. Like if you put it in your mouth and you constantly move it around, it won't burn you from being so cold. And then you can blow the dry ice smoke out. And it looks like you're, this was before vaping, right? This was like, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years before vaping was even invented. Um, <clears throat> and then he told a story about how one of his college buddies did this and accidentally swallowed it. And then his story. I can't vouch for this. I don't know if it's true, but this is what he said was that the guy's abdomen started expanding with the gas inside and someone took a sharpened pencil and stabbed him to let the air out. That's that's what a a college professor said to me. Um, And if you're listening to this, don't put dry ice in your mouth. Don't put anything in your mouth that doesn't belong in mouths. uh, Just so you know, I'm not held responsible. But yeah, Uh, the uh, this yeah this was a. A very recent thing, the City Council of Cleveland passed a balloon release ban that uh, ordinance that prohibits intentional balloon releases of 10 or more balloons. The ordinance is part of Cleveland's littering law, and violators will face a minor misdemeanor citation and a $150 fine. So, I have a question about this story. Um, in the balloon world, is Treb Heining still, do people <laughs> still know who this is? Is he still a, a god in the balloon world? Yeah. He's uh, still very relevant. Um, he, uh, if you've ever seen the balloons at Disneyland, like, yeah, the, those the, giant, like the Mickey uh, inside things, a like, bigger he, balloon. Yep. He um, didn't create that concept, but he, he learned it at Disneyland uh, and then uh, create, developed a outer clear balloon that uh, is like, not latex, not plastic, somewhere in between, I think. Hmm. Um, and that um, won't oxidize, so it won't frost over in the sun. Um, oh. And he just started vending at Universal Studios. Uh, but a really cool thing about him is he's the guy who's responsible for distributing all the confetti in Times Square on New Year's Eve. No way. I missed that in my research. Yeah, Thank you really for cool adding some um, amazing information. So all of that confetti comes from one vendor, just from Treb Heining? Uh, he's, yes, he's the guy responsible for bringing in the crew, showing them how to do it, distributing like everyone to their proper locations. And do they use cannons, like confetti then, cannons, like a concert? Or is it like literally people no, dropping it? No, it's just people throwing it from a box. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, wow. there's a really cool video on YouTube about it. I'll look that, that they did up. A couple of years ago. That's incredible. Who knew? And and I did read that he was responsible for inventing the balloon column with which you would make like a balloon arch and different types of structures and things. Yeah. So yeah, he pretty much invented balloon decor. So yeah, anytime you see like a bunch of round balloons strung together, that was his idea. That's great. There's a there's someone in my in my wife's spa who um is friends with some sort of balloon artist um and they bring in like once a month fresh a fresh balloon art for her wall and she displays it on the wall of her spa room which i think is pretty awesome um just keeps it looking very different than all the other rooms in there and they're all you know champagne and gold and white colored so really cool look well you're killing it man you're four for four you have a chance at uh going undefeated here or going uh going five for five here and we haven't had anyone do that in a very long time so this one is for all the marbles. And if you get this wrong, I will never have you on this podcast again. Um, but if you get it right, I would love to have you back on again. Here's your question. Why are we, as humans, fascinated by balloons? Oh, man. Well, I hope to be on this podcast more than Eric Dittleman and Eric Tate combined. That's so going to take some work. Right. That's going to take a lot of work. If you, you know, Dittleman, Tate, Jonathan Burns, Jay Black have been on a ton. Glenn Tickle's been on a lot. But I think Diddleman probably has the record. Okay. Well, um, I love balloons because they're magical. Um, they're, they just are so fragile um, and so transformative. Like, they can become anything. Uh, there's amazing possibilities um, with just, like, a single balloon. And just, I remember we were at a convention one time and just, we had a round balloon. We were just bopping around trying to keep it off the ground and there was something so much fun about just playing with that wait can i ask a question was this a balloon convention yes so you were at a balloon convention playing keep the balloon off the ground with other balloon people yes that's amazing that is i that i am that that is an amazing fact because if you tell someone there's conventions where people have balloons and, and you tell them, what do you do there? Oh, well, just like a bunch of guys standing around in a circle and bop the balloon to keep it off the ground. That is a very, that's almost like, um, you know, like a family guy, uh, scene, like cut scene. You know what I mean? That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> and uh, it's a right answer. So you have gone five for five. You did it! Congratulations! It's been, a, it's been a very long time since anyone's gone five for five on the podcast. And uh, I really appreciate I know that you were feeling under the weather, weather earlier this week. And, and thanks for coming on. Um, tell people where they can learn about Rob the Balloon Guy. Um, yeah, so robthebloonguy.com. Uh, Instagram is at Rob Belchunas. Um, and yeah. That's where I'm pretty active. So everyone go check out Rob's Instagram. You can see lots of examples of, of the kind of work that he does and go to Rob the which is a website, not an instruction. Don't you have something on your, on your business card that says something like that? What does it say? Yeah. Uh, Rob the balloon guy. That's just my name. Don't actually rob me. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on Rob. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. Thanks Michael. <laughs> Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much to Rob Balchunas for being my guest. Here's Gordon Ramsay after inhaling a helium balloon. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that 
at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent. <laughs>